Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10, that's podcast10, to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. Hi, everyone. <laughs> the dollar decline continue. Welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today is Dale Pinker, trading coach at TradeGate Hub. Hi, Dale. How are you? <laughs> Great to be with you, Maggie. Lake. That startled so, me. I didn't even yeah. know where that was coming from. He's getting some return back. Um, it's great to see you. I will have to start playing my own music soon. Well, Dale, maybe, maybe this universe knew you were joining us with your dulcet tones. <laughs> Could be, Maggie. We'll see what happens. We'll, by we'll the see end what of the happens. Show. For those of you who know, sometimes Dale breaks into song if we get him in the right uh, mood. So I can't stop myself sometimes. <laughs> I love <Right>. that. <laughs> well, we got to we got to talk about the markets first. So we have stocks, U.S. stocks down slightly. They just closed. Bond yields up. The dollar bit a little bit ahead of the Fed meeting, but you can kind of feel we're in this holding pattern as everyone kind of waits for that big event. We've also got earnings and a big jobs report, so it's going to be a busy week. What are you watching as we wait for Jay Powell and gang? Yeah, I feel like we're in the eye of a hurricane. And uh, we're going to come out of it this week with mm. everything you just mentioned. And part of that hurricane, I think, is going to be that the market has mispriced that we're going to be easing later in the year. And they're offsides with that. Uh, you could take a look at bond action today. Uh, sentiment is quarter and pause. So we're going to see, uh, in fact, the pause makes me think about uh, that clip that you and I, uh, that you're going to mm. show during the show. Mm. And a pause, according to, uh, what's the gentleman's name? Uh, Warren Mosler. Okay. It would be, um, uh, uh, could be risk off. Could be, uh, you know, all the stimulus from higher rates, uh, if that goes away. Uh, that could be a reason why asset prices sell off. But, mm. um, you know, I'm thinking that the worst is going to be maybe 3% in the 10-year. And I don't even know if that's going to happen after today's action. But I think we'll be looking at new highs in the 10-year yield. And the, now the bonds look like they're on the verge of breaking down. So, uh, you know, that part of the market, I think... Uh, People have mispriced that there's going to be easing later. And I think that's going to have an effect when people come to terms with it of uh, terminating this dollar weakness for a while and setting up dollar longs, euro shorts, cable shorts. Interesting. Okay, so uh, we're going to play that clip in a minute because it, it is very contrarian and very interesting so everyone can follow what we're saying. But But if we take that out of the equation for a second, you're saying maybe the market got over, you know, over ambitious or, you know, overestimating the amount of pausing or easing. and Because that of SVB. Yeah. Ah, okay. So that's when they started pricing in cuts mm -hmm. later in the year. Okay. That we, the Fed was going to ease. <clears throat> I think the market's wrong footed on that. I think the Fed could pause and could, uh, you know, just keep things where they are, see how they play out. But there's nothing that I see in uh, long-term T-note yields or long-term TLT 
that tells me that I want to be on the long side of bonds and bet that rates are not going to go up. I thought there was a chance of that last month when TLT was knocking its head at door against, uh, against the 109 resistance. It was never able to break out. And now we're on the verge of breaking down with TLT trading 103. 102 and, you know, looks like we could have a waterfall in bonds. So mm. that makes me think about all the banks that are just like SVB Ooh. that have been long bonds for over a year and that their cash position, their financial positions are compromised because, you know, there's always one, more than one cockroach, Maggie. Yeah, sadly, that is yeah. true. <laughs> that is, for anybody who's lived in city, city apartments, that is true. You need to panic when you see one. Uh, so that's, it's very interesting, Dale, because a couple of things today. First of all, we had ISM manufacturing index out, and it did show another month under 50, which indicates contraction. But some of those underlying components were not as slow as some had expected, and it was employment and prices paid. You know, add that to the PCE that was a little stronger last week. The data is not really moving in that direction, and we did see uh, J.P. Morgan come in, take over SVB. Now, granted, you know, uh, Jamie, th th we're not. This has a long way to play out, but Jamie Dimon sort of saying this part of the crisis, he feels like it's over. We can have another discussion about credit. So some of the things that were being baked into that, they're going to ease scenario, don't, don't seem to be present at the moment. What it, Do you think that we're going to get that reaction when, Jay Powell, do you think they're going to want to send that message at the press conference, or are they going to try to sort of prepare the market gently? I don't know. I say lie to me. Tell me everything is okay. Yeah. Johnny Lang. Uh, anyway, uh, that's, the, you know, that's how I look at what the double speak that comes out and the flip-flops that come out. And, uh, I, you know, a lot of people are big fans of uh, Jerome Powell. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't have anything against uh, Powell. I just think that um, it, this is beyond anyone's bailiwick to try and manage the situation that we're currently in. So, you know, I, I don't have confidence that the Fed is going to, you know, soft landings. Um, I don't think so. So we'll see. So, so we had an, I had a very interesting, uh, we had an interesting deep dive episode today. I spoke with Warren Mosler. This is what Dale was referencing a moment ago. Uh, he's one of the thought leaders, for those of you who don't know him, one of the thought leaders of what's become known as modern monetary theory, MMT. We invited him on because so many of you asked us to. Uh, and he made the very interesting argument that the Fed rate hikes are actually stimulating the economy. They are not slowing it down. Have a listen to what he said, and we'll talk on the other side. With debt to GDP this high, we are just going on a wild spending spree of deficit spending every time the Fed raises rates. When the Fed raises rates, that's what they're doing. They're causing the public debt to go up, they're causing the deficit to go up. And right now the deficit spending is something like 7% of GDP. That's a very high deficit. It had gotten up to 15 for COVID, which was like World War II was a, you know, very high. And, but then it collapsed. As soon as people went back to work, they stopped collecting unemployment insurance. We had all these counter-cyclical reasons why it all came down. So it was 
one-time things that went away and it had gotten down to three or 4% and the economy was collapsing. We had two negative quarters, you know, a year ago. And then the Fed started raising rates because of the inflation and the deficit started going back up. And right now, I think the interest expense is substantially higher than the military budget, which also went up by the way, which is almost 900 billion. I think uh, the annual rate of deficit spending when you, on interest, when you include the amount the Fed's paying is up to 1.2 trillion. Now, if we left rates at zero, it would have been on the way to zero. Instead, it's 1.2 trillion in climbing. And it accounts for something like half of the deficit spending. And they're going to be raising rates again, and that's going to add to the deficit spending. And that adds to demand. It adds directly to people's income, to, to your savings, your net financial assets, and supports the economy. Deficit spending so always they, supports so, the economy. So they're raising rates. Yes. Juicing the economy. Right. They're like drilling holes in the boat to let the water out. <laughs> Something like that. I'm trying to come up with the right analogy. Yeah, the right analogy. Throwing kerosene on the fire. And that full interview is available on our website. It's really fascinating. It's in some ways very contrarian. Although when you listen to him reason it out, it, it's very interesting. Uh, he also talked about the debt ceiling. He thinks of some really underappreciated risks there. So I encourage everyone to go check it out. If you do not have a membership, then scan that QR code and you can figure out how you can access it or jump on one of the trials that we have. Really, really worth listening to. And especially in wake of the entire policy response to COVID, which was in essence MMT. Um, it's it's really interesting to hear his thoughts. Uh, so Dale, um, we've got a lot of questions. I think I wanna just jump into a couple based on what you were talking about. Um, someone asking, Trillian X asking, do you think the 10 year could be above 5% this year? That would mean the curve is, uh, I don't know if he's saying inverting with the long-term yield rising, not short-term yield declining. De-inverting, okay. de so I think he, he's yeah, saying. So I don't he, know if that's actually a word, Charlie Next, but that's not um, inverting. That's the other way. De-inverting. I think he's what he's saying, but I don't think that's okay, exactly okay. what he's meant to say. But yeah. it, it, what are your thoughts? Could it? Could it? Is that possible? You see it going back up above five percent? Um, I'm thinking uh, four eight, mm. four nine. I mean, it's a uh, close enough for government work. <laughs> I think it's a possibility by year end, yes. Which is certainly not what the forecast is right now. So that's a big adjustment no. to make. So, the, you know, they'll be playing with their their dot their dot plots. They'll be, you know, using some invisible ink or white out and move them around. And this is going to be interesting because we, we have seen in the past that these press conferences uh, really have the ability to move the market depending on how... Uh, how much they want to say or how much they want to shift market expectations. And, and if, Maggie, the clip that you just played, if his thesis is accurate and the Fed is uh, one and done, that means some of the stimulus from higher weight, uh, rates goes away, according to his theory. Yeah, well, that that exactly. Because if you believe that on the one side, the flip is that if they, if they, yeah. pause, if they start to ease, you have the opposite effect. So it's, maybe just pausing would be enough. Yeah, it gets complicated. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Uh, we were talking about the, you mentioned the dollar. So we were, I started out by saying, is the dollar decline going to continue? Um, and some of our viewers were like, oh, not the doom. I meant from a trading perspective, not the, okay. not the bigger 
existential picture of the dollars function as a reserve currency. I, I just mean, meant- I know pros that are really buying into the de-dollarization story, and they might be right long-term, but this is such a crowded trade. And, um, you know, the shoeshine boys asking me for a euro instead of a dollar, that's a time not to be, you know, uh, going all in against the dollar. Uh, if you look at the chart, there's some technical areas. You have a weekly moving average there, um, right around 112. That's also about 61.8 back from the entire decline. And with the sentiment <clears throat> and all the news uh, background about the end of the dollar, it's just about the time for us to have a turn. Um, and I think Euro could trade back towards parity. Really? Into the fall. Again, not, not something a lot of people are talking about. Okay, good. Because I'd, I'd be reversing out if you told me everyone agreed with me. <laughs> Spoken like a true trader. When, when everyone's talking about it, it's definitely not going to happen. Love to be alone in the market. <laughs> uh, you're also looking at, uh, well, actually, I know there's a question someplace. I've got two different things open, so I'm not sure it was. But someone asking, Robert asking, wondering what you think about uh, U.S. dollar, yen, dollar, yen. I'm looking, you know, if uh, you follow my work, uh, started liking it around 130. Uh, we crossed some moving averages today. I've been talking 140 handles, maybe 143, which also correlates with higher yields, at least until then. Um, so I still think there's more left in uh, the yen. I buy hard breaks. And uh, you're wrong on back under last week's low, 133 would change a picture. But it still looks pretty bullish to me up to 143. And then that could be a tremendous short after are, that. Are you watching uh, the BOJ at all? Uh, we, there was a lot of talk earlier about, you know, uh, the new the new uh, governor of the Bank of Japan and would they change their policy toward yield curve control? Are you watching any of that? Is that influencing anything that you're thinking about on that cross? Um, lie to me. Tell me everything is okay. So that's how much I pay attention to the central bank rhetoric. Right. You know, I watch what they do, not what they say. Right. And and obviously, uh, this new BOJ president is uh, towing the line, and I have no idea. Uh, I would probably say at 143, I'll use the markets to guide me of when the BOJ might start to change its tune mm-hmm. and be considering yield control. but. Not until I see like about 143 in the end, because mm-hmm. then I think there could be a tremendous decline um, from there. But uh, uh, it's it has too much momentum. Structurally, looks good, and uh, a lot of people are still trying to short it. A, a really good question coming in from. We've got two questions on bonds, but I like this question from Jay. How do you know and find out what the market is pricing in in regards to future rate hikes? Is there a chart or a bond price benchmark? Thanks, Jay. Okay, Jay. You know, I'm a pure uh, technical guy, and uh, my rate forecasts are based on the action that I'm seeing in the charts. Um, I don't go out and look for people's forecasts or dot plots. Uh, To me, price action can give you the answers of what you're looking for in the future. 
as a trader, we actually live in the future. We're not taking positions based upon what we think is going to happen today or tomorrow. Um, like Gretzky, we're, you know, skating to where the puck will be, not to where the puck is. So I think if you become a good chartist, you, you won't have to rely on that kind of input and just make price king and it'll serve you. So what kind of chart should you look at? Are you looking at treasuries? Is it Fed fund yeah. futures? TLT and 10-year yield charts are the two that I mainly pay attention to. Mm -hmm. TLT being a proxy for longer term paper, 20 year about in the TLT, treasuries. I also pay attention to, you know, junk, HYG, LQD, uh, look to see if there's any stress when H, uh, HYG may be performing worse than LQD or the treasuries, but the treasuries won today, big time on percentage decline compared to those. So it's almost like, uh, you know, we're, we're going into this debt crisis with the most pol polarized, and you and I talked about this last time, Congress ever. I mm -hmm. think there are, you know, that uh, it's not going to be settled soon. But I've also heard an argument that the most bearish thing for the market would be for it to be raised and settled because then the uh, treasury could go out and start selling more notes and bonds and that would drain the liquidity away from what's finding its way into the markets. Ah, so, interesting. So there's another, you know, contrarian view. You would think it would be uh, the crisis of not getting a debt deal done Mm. which would be the problem for the markets, but it's actually resolving it and raising the debt ceiling. And then liquidity drains away from the economy and everything to fund our government through the sale of treasuries. So interesting. So for those of you who follow, follow Andreas's work, he's been covering that specific issue in steno signals pretty regularly and it can be complex but he really breaks it down and makes it understandable i'm so glad you mentioned that dale because i just found out uh he's doing it live he does them live now at 11 eastern time tomorrow and the subject is liquidity and i have a feeling he's going to touch on that exact point dale and he's yeah. he's uh telling us that it the subject will be liquidity will run will soon run drier than a martini there you go. Well, so. And people are talking about some monetary measures, Maggie, M2, M1, that uh, have really just fallen off Niagara Falls. Uh, big contractions of money supply. Hmm. It's not stimulative. There, and there's no velocity. It's a problem. Uh, so that's really important. Great, Again, yeah. if, it, if it feels like this is going over a little bit, um, it is a little complex, but just watch one of Andreas's explainers. And then if you have questions, wheel up at them because they'll answer them and try to try to sort of help you make sense of it because it's been a really interesting dynamic. So gold, that was one of the yeah. charts you sent. And we have some questions about that too. How does gold perform in this environment? Well, if you put up the chart, I was last year, April 4th, and you asked me, Dale, uh, when do you think the correction would start? And, you know, every once in a while, I uh, exude maybe too much confidence, but I had conviction. And I said, today, right here. And I put a little notation of where it was and the market dipped. And then uh, it was about uh, 
2028 that they dipped and then made one more high, another $10, $15. Um, I would love to see the dollar sell off one more time to be able to short gold. The big area to me now, and I'm I'm negative gold because obviously you know I'm looking for a dollar rally. Uh, I'd love to see the dollar make new lows and gold not. That would be a nice market tell. But I think we're headed at least to that 1930 level. That's a major breakout level uh, from a long-term downtrend. And if we get under 1930, and I think that's uh, viable. Uh, I, we could uh, revisit uh, and take a round trip back towards 1800 again. And it's funny because there's still, we've still have plenty of people who come on who feel bullish about gold. So I feel like it's another one of those trades that's not maybe priced in the market fully. Well, you know, a lot, of people, a lot of people that come on that are bulls and gold, they're bulls on gold forever. Right. Or maybe not forever, but they don't give people tactical ideas. And if you just have... Uh, uh, a bias and you buy something whenever, um, you know, market drawdowns can knock you out and then you're not there to participate in the market. So, you know, long-term I like gold, but I think there might be another opportunity to load up around 1800 or so. So, um, you know, you can't just always say I like gold and then it pulls back 160 like it did a few months ago. Mm. No one said they didn't like gold. I liked gold then, but I said there could be a correction. I like gold now, and I think there could be a correction. Uh, so be tactical uh, with your narratives. Don't be perma bulls, perma bears. Be able to um, be open to both sides of the market. And you don't have to trade both sides. If you're a bull, you just, you're just patient. And I'm sure you own some gold. But you don't add up here. You wait for the opportune time to do it. And I, I think that's going to happen down around that uh, under 1930. People will come in at 1880, 1860. But I think we could actually, you know, trade down to 1800. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. So we're going to go right around the asset classes because one of the, I mentioned earlier, one of the big uh, events that's also happening this week, Apple reports earnings after the close oh. Thursday, I believe. How are you feeling about that stock uh, as we head into that? There's some talk, some headlines out today that maybe they're going to issue some disappointing forecasts this week. Okay. Well, I tried to think of, Maggie, what is the most contrarian trade in the cosmos? Everyone owns Apple, either through their 401ks, uh, their own accounts, um, money Indexes, managers. Yeah. <clears throat> Everyone owns Apple. It's the most crowded trade on the board. We're only about $10, $15 away from new all-time highs. What else is? Can you name a few uh, stocks that are almost at new all-time highs? Not many. So people think of Apple the way they think of uh, how that people used to think of a, a bond yes, as I a agree. haven. It's a haven. Yeah. During, so during SVB, people piled into uh, Apple. I'm starting to get some uh, technical divergences here. I'm buying set puts here. Uh, now you could, uh, I, I'm doing it with options because you could end up having a great earnings report and it could rip your face off like Microsoft earnings did last week's. 
that closed, it looked like it was breaking down and then rallied 20, $30 on earnings. So that could happen, but actually I could make a case if we start taking out 156, um, I have a lot of confluence at 120 Apple. Wow. Some of you noticed we have a-, a Also, that's uh, yeah. A, how, yeah, uh, that's, that's a big 126. Yeah, yeah. 120. Uh, so- 20. All right. We're at 169 right now. Yeah. All right. So Tim Cook was selling a lot of Apple stock um, about a month ago. I mean, it's continued higher. So, you know, it doesn't look like anything. But Tim Cook was in India um, trying to warm up Modi because Tim Cook is worried about China. Mm. Somebody was just talking okay. about China being weak on, on, on our chat here. Okay. So, uh, you know, uh, China could uh, uh, have an effect on the U.S. by giving Apple problems. And that's why Tim Cook is looking for different geographic areas to replace China. But it, it's just going to take too much time. So if China uh, pulls something out of the hat or the earnings are bad, it's crowded in the first place. Um, there are problems with supply chains still. Mm. because of the fear that we have in China. Uh, so I'm taking a shot here with puts at the um, these levels right here, and we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm top picking Apple, the most I love crowded it. trade in the cosmos. I, I love it, Dale. We're, we're, you're, you're throwing them down left and right, these calls today. It's fantastic. You're, you're the <laughs> contrarian man today. Do you think that if if that were to happen, you think it's a quick trip down there or is it kind of a grind down? At first, it'll be a grind down, uh, but under that 156 level, and it's that just, would negate the bright, uh, breakout. And I think things would accelerate under 156. Interesting. Would you be a buyer there if it got down to your low? 120? Yeah. No, because uh, there, you know, it would have to start proving itself. Mm. Actually, it's pre-COVID high. Uh, was 80. Wow. And a lot of stocks have already retraced to their pre-COVID highs. So that's where Apple's comes in. Wow. That's a lot of food for thought on Apple. No pun intended. And it was not intended. I just realized when I said it. Uh, semiconductors. Now, this is going to be interesting. This is another area. And you were talking about stocks that are, that are you know, have been on fire. Gosh, NVIDIA has got to be right at the top of that list, right? So how are you yeah. feeling about semiconductors right now? They're down in the last month, but up I mean, the SMH is what you're looking at. You're looking at the right. broader, but up 30% in the last six or and change in the last six months. Yeah. So, but that was a pretty good break. I circled it. Uh, that's when I was on at the top and turning negative because of that divergence with the lower blue line on the RSI. And, uh, you know, it came off pretty good. And perhaps what we could do is rally back to, I don't know, was that 255 for right shoulder? And even if the semis rally to make new highs, they won't confirm. Um, they led on the way up. The fact that the S&Ps are making new recovery highs, NASDAQ's making new recovery highs, and we'd have to rally 10, 15% for SMH to be at new highs is a tell to me that stay, if you're bearish, stay with the girl you brought to the dance, and that's SMH. <laughs> I love these phrases. So, uh, <laughs> so Bitcoin, I want to get to the last chart that you sent before I get a couple more questions in. What about Bitcoin? 
Okay, so last time I was on, and you guys go play the recording. Um, I oh, said we, we Bitcoin, know. I know you tried. I, I said Bitcoin. I, I said Bitcoin was going to break out over thirty thousand, and that's what happened. Got to almost thirty-one, and that it would end up being a breakout failure, which is what happened back under that you know twenty-eight, twenty-nine thousand. Uh, we've rallied back and it looks pretty negative. Uh, I, I think that Bitcoin could be vulnerable. I, I'm wrong at new highs, but um, I think that we could go all the way back down to that horizontal blue line, which is, uh, I believe, 15,000. Wow. Um, there's another higher stop at 18, but um, I'm bearish. I'm I, I'm a big believer in gravity in the markets coming up here. Yeah, I can see we the, the beginning of the program. You said that you think this is a an important week and it's going to yeah. sort of set things in motion. And you're talking about big moves in almost all of the calls that you're talking about today. We're not talking about a little. We're talking about a big retracement. Yeah, uh, there's uh, lots of great uh, trading opportunities, but always uh, you know. There's only one thing you could control, and it's not what the market's going to do. It's not what earnings are going to be. It's going to be how are you managing your risk on every idea that you get involved with. So, you know, if you're trading leverage, you trade with stops. If you're trading options, maybe you risk 50% of premium. You know, if they cut them in half, it's most likely not the right idea. Um, but manage your risk. And what it's really saying is that um, we're going to have a lot of great buying opportunities in the next six months or so. Uh, really, assets getting cheaper and um, could you know you buy Bitcoin down there, buy gold at eighteen hundred, silver back at twenty two, the miners cheaper, um, the market cheaper, so the dollar. You know, it's going to rally to set up a great short. The end's going to top at 43 and be a, a pretty good short, in my view. So there are some real important inflection points. I think, like I said, we're coming out of the eye of the hurricane, and we're going to see what the outer wall is like Oof. this week. <laughs> we know, we know what that. We, we that's that's always dangerous. Right? So, given that the market is, say you're right, the market is way off on on all of these calls, the consensus. What is that? That seems like a lot of pain for a lot of people. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you might give back profits in gold, but you know, the, most people were getting long before 1800. Right, so it's gonna be people, um, as, as opposed to, you know, one of those horrible years where things were, people just got it handed to them and they are. Does that set us up for, a lot of buying in the second half as people try to catch up. And I'm thinking of money managers or fund managers who are not performing. Who need More to towards make year sure end. Are. More, toward year, More end. towards year end is what I'm thinking. So some uh, Ralph asking, someone said, what is going on with the VIX? And Ralph said, do you have a view on the VIX? Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, uh, I started buying calls again of out to September. And if I'm right about what happens to Apple, um, the VIX is going to fly. So we'll see. I, I, a lot of this is predicated on that we're topping here first week of May or so, and we're down into July. 
or at least until the solstice uh, in June. And in that time frame, you know, uh, I, I won't be as bearish in July as I am now. This does not sound like a situation where you sell in May and go away. This sounds like you've got to be plugged in paying attention. Well, you can, you can do that, uh, you know, go fishing. Uh, you know, I, I, want to, I want to tell all your viewers, you don't have to trade, okay? Um, it's a choice. So, uh, you know, there's no law that says, you know, you have to be a trader. Most people can't do this. Mm. So, you know, uh, take it into consideration that if you're putting pressure on yourself that I have to be some type of um, market guru or uh, make 10 times on my money. Uh, trade with a light hand so that it's not um, life or death on every trade and that you don't go fetal when it doesn't work or do cartwheels when it does. Just, you know, it's like a taxi uh, driver who gets a ticket every once in a while on the streets, you know, that's part of the business. I love it. I love you. I love you leaving us with that wisdom because it is really important um, because it sounds like we're in for a lot of action. So it's really important for people to a, know that they don't have to do anything and B, make sure they're taking care of their risk. So we appreciate it. Dale, amazing stuff. I can't wait for you to come back on again and we can see what, what's happening and where the, where this all goes. But you gave us a lot of stuff to think about today. So we okay, appreciate you as always. Uh, you know, I enjoy being with you, Maggie, and your whole team. Thanks very much and good hunting to everyone this spring. Yeah, exactly. We'll see what happens. Uh, be patient. So remember, as I mentioned, um, Andreas is going to be on 11 a.m. tomorrow live talking about liquidity. So if you can, make some time, show up with your questions. Otherwise, the full interview will be on the platform afterwards. And I'll be back same time tomorrow with Jeff Snyder, who should have some really interesting thoughts ahead of the Fed. So I look forward to that. Hope I see you there. In the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.